Hey, what's happening? This is your host Tinto, and I am back with the coffees. I guess uh, you guys had gone quiet because of January disease. Huh? <laughs> well, welcome back anyhow, and I hope I can get through this. My voice ain't great because I got a severe bout of man flu. So let's get into it. Starting with you, Wimbai. Thank you for your generous contribution and your comment. There is, I've been a devoted listener, and I must say I love, love your show. The grace you give every story, you we love and appreciate it. Keep doing your thing, our therapist on air. Thank you so much, Wimbai. And then Tino, geez, what a massive contribution. Thank you so much. And your comment there is, keep it going and keep it coming. The laughter, blood, it's not me, it's the guests, all right? And then next up, I got uh, T-Mash. Again, this is not the first time you've given to the podcast. And your comment there is, I love the podcast. I love how mad things keep me entertained the whole time I'm cleaning my place. Thank you so much. Kudzi Gomo, hey, what up? Hey, thanks so much for your contribution as well. And your comment there is, ah, Chakaro, and the January disease, but in Bobatai, Magadai, homies. Ah, see T-shirt, Yango. Hey, I got stuff about T-shirts already. I have the T-shirts in stock. It's just about getting them on a site to give to you guys to buy us TFS merch. Rudo, thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, your comment there is, thank you for sharing valuable lessons through your podcast and thank you for sharing your expertise with us. It's not expertise, it's just experience, but thanks. And then your last words there, keep going. Tichitre Bogus, hey, you've come through again. Thank you so much. And then uh, could you go with Rumbi? Welcome back. Um, where have you been? As your comment there is, thanks for the podcast in tow. Just catching up on a few episodes and the lessons are heavy. If you'd like to give to the podcast in a similar manner, please head over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash feeling station and give as your spirit leads. Remember, there is nothing too small to support the podcast that you've grown to love. With that out of the way, let's get into part two of this week's episode. We used to be best friends, used to do good things together. Oh no, but no more. It's just a Buddy, cousin, it all just fell apart I'm sorry Nah, I'm not sorry It's just a distant memory That is a lot better than the last time. I'm so happy we've progressed with the hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the feeling station. Mm, hello. How are you? Uh, I've been better. You need to wish me luck with the, with the voice. My voice is all over the place because I have a, a pretty bad cold. Well, well not so oh, bad now, oh. yeah. But during the week, yeah, it knocked me out. Oh. But I'm a lot better. Uh, fired up for part two of your episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'll just pick it up from where we were the last time. Uh, you had basically said that you'd learn to fight back using your mouth and to learn to protect uh-huh. yourself because comments like, hey, you're jealous of the relationship with the, with the other child were coming through. Mm-hmm. So you turned mm-hmm. to books and you were reading Harry Potter and you learned to be resilient. Yeah, yeah, now, I did. Now, where we actually left it off is you are now in hot fire because you told your auntie what B3 had said about her to one of her friends. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to pick it up from there as part of this episode, let's go. Yeah, so I think I'd mentioned that, you know, she obviously went back and told her friend about that I was the one who told yep, yep. my auntie about what was said. And obviously there was, basically I got the heat from her as well as the friend. Um, Then after that, we moved houses, I think. 
if I remember. And then we moved to a different town, but it wasn't too far away from where we used to live before. Yeah. And then from there, and by that time, obviously, I'd been to social services before and they would randomly do like once off visits. I think they only did that once or twice. And, you know, after they'd left, she would, you know, say in front of one of the younger kids or we have these people being nosy about our lives because of someone else or, you know, not in the nicest ways I'm putting it, but it would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. There would be an emphasis to make to the kids to say, this is why this is happening. So so this someone else, would they make it blatant that it was you? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she would say, I would be sitting there, and then she would say, and then obviously I would get up and go to my room. And say, this is because of Hadiza, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, so because of that, I would obviously just get up and leave the room and kind mm. of isolate myself a little bit. Mm. And to be honest, my comfort levels changed. If she was home, I learned to shrink. If she wasn't home, I was bubbly. Yeah, you'd blossom. Yeah. Fun. Mm. yeah, and even... Th- I feel like the relationship between the kids, if she was home, you would see the divide. But if she wasn't home, you wouldn't see the divide. Yeah. To me anyway. And all along, your dad is still willfully blind to this. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to him, a lot of things used to happen when he wasn't home. Yeah. So if I come and say to him, this is what's happened. Because, you know, when social services got involved and my sister said I was lying, his automatic response was you're exaggerating or you're lying. Mm. So I learned to not say to him. Yeah. But what I used to do is I used to tell that same auntie who would say to my dad. And then when he raised it, the outcome would end up making it seem as if I'm lying to that auntie. Mm. And because that auntie has problems with my stepmother, she's using that to fuel problems in our house. Yeah. So my dad never paid attention to it. Mm. Um, Then one... Just to say, just before that, when we first arrived, we'd gone to a wedding for someone who apparently was an uncle or something. Mm. Um, and like I said, I used to be a very out there kind of child. So at that wedding, I had danced my socks off. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, and I had one favorite song that we used to listen to at boarding school all the time. Yeah. And by that point, one of the guys I went to boarding school actually turned out to be related. And so we'd caught up in where we are now and we're both like, oh my God, I can't believe we're related. Yeah. So it was easy for us to form a very close friendship. So we were quite close by that point. Um, so back to where we were, we then went to a wedding for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And at that wedding, uh, someone came and tapped me on my shoulder and said, there's a lady looking for you. Like there's this lady who wants to talk to you. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't know who he is, but I'll come with you because... <laughs> Um, my dad is over there. He can see who I am. Yeah. How so old, I went were, you, were you still about 12 at this point? 13, 13. I would say. Because okay. that yeah. was, yeah, I would, no, no, I was 12. You were still that 12, was before, yeah. Yeah, I was 12. That was before my birthday. Um, so I went over to say, you know, to see whichever lady it was that they were pulling me over to. And yeah. it actually turned out to be someone who used to look after me and my sister when we were at church because we went to this big church uh, back home. Oh. And yeah, yeah. And she actually knew my first stepmother. So that's how she knew us because our first stepmother used to take us to that church. Okay. And it turned out that a lot of the people that were actually at that wedding knew me and my sister. Right. Because they met us through our first stepmother. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So that lady was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're here. Who are you here with? So I'm like, oh, I'm here with the, with my father and this one. Uh, my sister is here as well. And she, and she was like, oh, go grab her. I haven't seen you girls in a very long time. Yeah, It's so nice to see because we didn't really, I mean, that same church, to be honest, was the one that my grandmother went to mm-hmm. as well. So both my stepmother and my grandmother went to that church. So although we carried on going to the church after my stepmother died, by that time, this lady had actually left. So we didn't see her as much. Mm-hmm. So um, saw her at the wedding. She was like, oh, where's your father? I went and grabbed my father. And my father was like, oh, yes, yes, I do know you and everything. Yeah. I guess people exchange numbers. Um, at that wedding, Tinto, yeah, I was not looking to dance for no one. <laughs> I was tired and yeah. I was cranky. <laughs> mm. I did not want to dance for anyone. I'm not going to lie. I just, I, I think we'd had an argument before we left home, but I know I wasn't happy. Mm. I was not in the mood for it. Who, who had so, you had an argument with? I think it was my stepmother. Because okay. one of the things at the time that we used to argue a lot about was what to wear. And mm. like I said before, I'm quite particular about what I wear. Mm. So sometimes if you say to me, wear this and I don't like it, chances of me wearing it are very slim. Yeah. So I think we'd argued because I remember I ended up in jeans and a top. Mm. So we get to that wedding. Uh, this uncle who'd got married before was actually now a, a bride's guy. I don't know what you call guys. A, br- <laughs> a bride's guy. <laughs> a bride's guy. That's what I'll call it. Okay. <laughs> So he came and was like, oh, you're here. Come and dance with me. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 I'm okay. But he put me to the dance floor. So I ended up dancing with him. Yeah. You know, that, that little two-step or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then I went back. Then I think, no, the younger one came and pulled me. Her daughter came and pulled me to say, she's asking for you. So I get there and she's like, oh, you're embarrassing me. The bride is complaining to oh, me yeah. about you. They're saying you're short. How dare you do this? And I was like, but I didn't even want to go there. She pulled me, like he pulled me to the tenth floor. <laughs> I didn't want to go. And she was like, oh, just sit down because everyone's complaining and they're saying you're too much of a short, your attention seeking. So I went outside. Is, is, this, is this because you were dancing really well? I was, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was actually quite good, I won't lie. <laughs> you speak in past tense. You're not a good dancer still? I don't dance anymore, Tim. Just since that day, I refuse. I refuse. If you pull me to the dance floor, I'm like, no, thank wow. you. Leave me alone. Okay. Yeah, so my the guy friend I mentioned actually came in pulled me and said, let's go outside. Mm-hmm. It will be fun outside. Let's just go play with the other kids outside. So we went outside. Um, nothing was said after that because obviously I wasn't inside anymore. I was outside. Mm. A couple of weeks later, my dad then says, oh, by the way, that lady has asked for you to be a bridesmaid at her wedding. Okay. And we've said yes. Okay. And then the other child who was a girl ended up being a bridesmaid as well. As well. Mm-hmm. But me and my older sister were confused because we're like, but we know you don't know her. So we exactly. so why kind you... of don't understand yeah. why are you the, yeah. when my older sister is not. Well, the question, you, you say that they said, uh, your, your dad said, we have agreed. So that was mm-hmm. him and B3? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. So I guess the terms of the agreement were that you can have her at the wedding as long as B3's daughter was taking part yeah. as well. Well, that's what we assumed because we were like, this doesn't make sense because B3 and that lady didn't even know each each other. other. Yeah. It's a bit strange though, isn't it? it You know, to get your child to participate in somebody's wedding that they don't even know. That they don't even know. No. So it was kind of Mm. weird for us, but you know, you try and not 
place too much emphasis on it. Yeah. But we, me and my sister were both like, this doesn't make sense, but mm. okay, we'll go along with it. So we would go to practices, you know, practices are my steps and mm. all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would have fun. But because I didn't want to seem like I was attention seeking, I would refuse to dance in the front of the line. Right. I'd be like, no. No matter how many times I said, but you're really good, dance in the front. I'd be like, no, I'm right at the back. It's okay. I'll be number last. The rest can, I'm, I'm right at the back. I don't want to be in the front. Yeah. Um, Tinto, I found it to the point where I actually volunteered to teach the girl who ended up in the front how to do the steps. Because I'm like, I'm not doing this. Mm-mm. No matter how many times I were like, but I'll be like, no, I'm okay at the end. It's okay. Let her go. I don't want to be in the end. I want to be in the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how guys feel about this, but at the time I started my period and it was a very, when I started, you know, I was, there was always an emphasis to say no one else must know because it's not a good thing. Okay. Yeah. So I would try to hide it, but. Mine was problematic in the sense of it was very frequent um, every two weeks, which for most ladies, they know that's not really normal. And it was heavy. I mean, so, really heavy. So when you say your period started, was this the very first time you'd had a period or you'd had periods before, but it just happened no. to start as you were practicing? Very first time. Okay. Yeah. So obviously I had to go and say, this is what's happening. Help. And who, uh, luckily, who did you say my that to? sister. Well, my sister said I had to go to her because I went to my sister first. Yeah. And my sister was like, well, you have to tell her you can't hide it. Because I wanted to hide it. But my sister said, no, you have to tell tell B3. Tell B3. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I went and told B3 and B3 was like, no one must know because it's not a good thing. Your father must never know. Ah. Um, You can't tell him. No man must ever know. Um, Why though? Do you know why they were saying that? Because it wasn't that? a good thing. Like it was, it wasn't a good thing. Like there was an emphasis to say it was a disgusting thing, basically. Um, so I didn't get it, but I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Mm-mm. Um, the guy friend that I was really good friends with, um, her his family, like I said, were kind of related to my family. So his mom invited us to go and stay over at their house, which yep. was up north for a week. So I went. And Tindo, my period does not start when I'm there. <laughs> mm. And I have no protection whatsoever. Mm-mm. So I start freaking out because I'm like, I can't tell them anything. So I went to her and I said, can you call her and ask her for five pounds, please? And she was like, yeah, 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 I will. And I think it was in the morning when I went to her. And mm. I went back to her an hour later and they said, no, have you called her? Has she said anything? And she was like, no, I haven't called her yet. I haven't got time. I think I went up to her about four or five times in the space of two hours to be like, I will. can you call her, please? Can you call her? So she put me into a room with one of her sisters and said, why do you need this money? What are you after that you feel like you cannot ask me when I'm looking after you? Mm. And I said to her, I'm not allowed to tell you. And she said, no, you have to tell me so I can communicate with your mom and see if it's urgent or not. Mm. So in the end, I ended up saying it's because I'm on my period. Yeah. And she was like, but why can you not tell me that? Like, I go on them too. It's okay. And then I explained to her what I'd been told. And she just sat there and started crying. So I'm sitting there thinking, why are you crying? Can you just, I just need protection right now. Can we just, Um, so she ended up taking me to the shops. Why was she crying? I think 
when I spoke to her, when I got a bit older, she said it was sad to think no one had told you that it's not your fault, that mm. you're on your period. Mm. And the yeah. way you communicated it is that you felt like you were in trouble mm. for that. So that's what had upset her. Okay. So she took me to the shops and then that's when she was like, which ones do you use? And I was like, well, these ones are the ones I normally get. Uh, the pack I normally get from mm. my stepmother is this one. Mm -hmm. So she bought that one. Um, like I said, mine were quite heavy. So when I fell asleep and I woke up, I had overlaid. Mm. And obviously there was a mess. Mm. And I freaked out because I thought I was going to get into so much trouble because at home I would get You'd into in trouble, trouble for yeah. yeah. Where she was like, well, that means the ones that you're using are too small for you. Mm -hmm. You need bigger ones. So she then introduced me to the concept of these are the bigger ones that you want when you sleep and these are the ones that you can use during the day. Right. And these are the ones when you use when your flow is less. Mm -hmm. So she then ended up taking me through the whole process of teaching me about the periods <laughs> properly. And this was all happening in a, in a space of a week. Yeah. The week yeah. that you're over at her place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because they came and I was like, oh God, I didn't, because I was on two weeks ago, I didn't think I would be on again. Yeah. So she was like, no, sometimes it happens because you're quite young and you're just starting now. Because yeah, by then I would adjust 10, 13. Mm -hmm. So she was like, it happens. It's okay. Um. So we went back home and then I guess she had called her to let her know that mm -hmm. she had called B3 to let her know that this is what's happened. Oh. Um, so when I get home, you know, I get the same message. They are angry at what you did when you got there, the mess you made, aye, the aye, fact aye. that you made such a mess about this. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, then to me, they said something else, but to you, they're saying something different. So who did you believe at the time? So I stopped trusting people in total. Because I was like, how do I know who's telling me the truth and who isn't? Mm. Because this isn't the first person that's done that. The bride at that wedding did that. Yeah. So if they're doing this as well, then what am I meant to believe? Mm. Yeah. Um, so the wedding for the other lady then took place and everyone, you know, was very complimentary. You guys danced really, really well. You know, you'd get people coming up to me and saying, oh, I love how you dance. I love the freedom you have. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Mm. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> and by that point, we started going to this church. Um, which was basically another branch for the big church that we went to mm -hmm. back home. So some of the people that had moved from back home that we knew from that church were now in this new church right. where we were now. Yeah. And, you know, most people would know you because they knew you back when you had your stepmother. Yeah. Like B2. And now they know you because of B. Well, they now know you through your dad and B3. I can't say for sure, but I think, you know, as adults, they probably spoke about B2 to B3 and told her some information that she might not have known otherwise from them. Mm, okay. There was a lot of that. Um, and, you know, it kind of become, you kind of started getting the sense that the people that you thought liked you when you were with B2, now started looking at you differently. Mm. Um, they started looking at you, you know, you'd get comments, someone come to me and say, you must behave for your mother, Hadiza. She, you can't be a naughty person all the time. <clears throat> yeah. And I would be standing there thinking, what are you talking about? Sometimes I would be like, yeah, I do behave. But it started becoming a recurring theme. And I started 
being looked at as someone who was nothing but trouble. And and oh, and were they saying all of this stuff when B three was present? Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. And by that point, again, questions started being raised about my eating habits. So let's say if we were eating dinner and I didn't finish my plate, mm. it wouldn't be like, oh, maybe she's full, she doesn't want to eat it. It would be no, she's anorexic, uh, she doesn't want to eat. And, yeah. And who was saying this? Well, B3 would say, and then my dad would be like, yes, you must eat. You're too skinny. You're too skinny. Lord of mercy. So it became, you know, you're too skinny. You're yeah. anorexic. Mm. We then moved to the house that we lived in until, you know, the end mm. <laughs> of the part of the telenovela. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that stage, I started walking to school. Yeah, because my school was now like a 10-minute walk. Like literally we'd come out and walk just a straight line and by the end of the road, you would get to my school. Yeah. Um, The cousin that I had mentioned had also moved to where we were, but her house was literally uh, another five or six-minute walk from my school where mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to go and see her um, after school. Um. You know, I was someone who was consistently being asked to a bride to be a bridesmaid, but it started becoming less and less. The more people said, you know, saying you must behave at home and stuff like that, because you know, no one wanted me to corrupt their kids. <laughs> yeah, okay. it became that. And at that church we went to, Tindo, um, it started becoming a recurring theme to be told that I'm possessed with demons. Ay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've been bewitched. This is why I don't behave at home. Um, And I used to get a lot of night terrors. So they would say the night terrors are a result of that. So, you know, the pastor would pray for you, pour holy water on you, the Mm -mm. whole church would pray for you. And in that church, there was me and two other girls. And between us three, it was frequent to be one of us. Mm. If I did it this week, it was the other one next week, and the other week, it was the other one. So we learned the routine. We would actually sit at the back and ask, and as soon as that pastor says, God showed me that oh. there's a child inflicted, we turn around ah. and like, oh no, it was me last week. Oh, so it's you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? It's, think it's, it's, ter- it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I don't think these grown folk are realizing what they're doing to a poor 13-year-old mm-hmm. child. No, no. So it became a frequent thing. You kind of got used to it. And I hated going to that church. Mm. I used to beg my dad not to go. And he'd say, you're under 16. I can't leave you at home on your own. Mm-mm. I used to beg him not to go. I hated it. The only part I liked was probably after church or during the Sunday school where I could play with the other kids and yeah. love with other kids. Yeah. But in terms of the adults and stuff, I despised mm-hmm. it. I hated it, Tinto. Of course. And we would sometimes go to some of their friends' houses. I hated that too. Because you just I, had to chill until parents had finished talking and parents mm-hmm. are never in a rush, are they? Mm-mm. And, and, and it these parents are also saying, this child is a naughty soul. Yes. I, 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 I hated it. I really hated it. And at that point, if someone said something that I didn't like and I responded, for them, that was evidence of how much of a bad child I am. Because, so let's say, because by this time you had learned how to defend yourself and you yeah, defend yourself using your mouth. I did. So if someone came and said... um. They'd say, like, what's wrong with you? Mm. I'd turn around and say, you're my problem. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. And because okay. I've said that, they would then automatically say, no, this one is a bad child. She's a bad seed. So that became quite frequent. Um, after 10, 14, I started getting ill quite a lot. Um, I'd get really ill. like. Mm. But again, they didn't believe me. They thought I was lying. Um, I'd get told I'm faking it because I don't want to go to school. When you say they, are you talking about your parents? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both mom and dad? Yep. Uh, mm. They would say, no, you're lying. You're faking it. Mm. Um, so what I used to do is I used to get up force myself to get ready, walk to school. And when I get to school, I would go to, you know, morning registry. Mm. And then I had an English teacher who used to let me sleep in her classroom when I wasn't well. Oh. Yeah. So she would put two chairs together and I would just sit like right at the back of her class. Mm. And she would hold her normal classroom, like kids would come in and stuff and she would teach them. But I would just be at the back, like sleeping. And and would you be part of that class or not? No, I would be there the whole day. How did you strike rapport with that teacher like that so that she would understand that I don't that even level? know, you know. I don't even know what I did for her to understand that. But she would let me stay in her room. Because I think the first time she let me stay in her room is because I went to her class and I fell asleep. And I think she knew I wasn't someone who just randomly fell asleep. I actually am someone who, if you ask questions in a classroom settings mm. and I know the answer, I will put my hand up to answer. Mm. I interact with teachers. So for her, that wasn't normal. Mm. And then when she touched my forehead, I had a temperature. So okay. she then started letting me sleep in her classroom whenever I was ill. Mm. Um, some of the girls I was in, classes with would then bring me the work from those classes mm -hmm. and then the teachers would say if you get them done i'll mark you on the registry As so present. my attendance yeah so my attendance never became a problem mm -hmm. because even if i was ill you're I getting would the work in. done yeah yeah so that's how we and i think it's also because teachers were aware that Social services once got involved, but they just wrote it off. So I guess based on that, they realized that maybe mm. let's just try and work with her on this one. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, that went on. And then one day I was re like that day I was ill. I think if you mm. looked at me in my face, you saw I was ill. Mm. <laughs> I was drained. And... I woke up to say, I was like, I'm ill. I don't feel well. And she was like, you're lying. And my dad wasn't home that day. He was working because he was on a, an early morning shift. Mm. And we argued about it. And I ended up saying, it's fine. I'm going to go to school. So I came out of the house and she followed me out of the house. And she was shouting at me on the street. Mm -mm. And kids were walking past the house to go to school, including some of my schoolmates. Mm. And because they'd seen all of this, I made, the I made the decision to go to my cousin's house. So rather than go to school, I walked to my cousin's house. Why? When I got, I don't even know what made me do. I think it's also because I realized that, no, I was really, really unwell. Okay. So I went to her house instead. Yeah, I mm. was 14 there. And when we got to her house, um, she looked at me and then she called her mom to say, this one is here, but she should be at school. She says she's not feeling well. She doesn't look well. And she definitely has a temperature. Mm. What do you want me to do? Like, what should I do? Mm. So my auntie said, no, it's fine. I'm going to come over. Um, you take your kids to school, leave her in the house, and I'm going to come over. Mm. Um, so my auntie came to the house, 
Then she called my dad to say, look, she's here. She's not well. What do you want me to do? My dad was like, you know what? This has been an ongoing problem where she says she's ill, but we don't think it's true. We think it's faking it. So take her to a doctor. So she took me to, she called, you know, emergency GP to say, do you have an appointment? They gave me one and I went in and the doctor said, okay, you don't look well. You have a temperature. Um, Right now I can't work out what's going on. Like Mm. I can't, I can't say this is what you're ill of. So I want you to do blood tests. But he then gave me uh, some tablets to help with the nausea and my appetite. Mm. So, you know, my auntie took me back to my dad's house because he he was back from work. He finished about two-ish. And she said, here is her prescription. We picked up her prescription. Here are her tablets. This is how many times she's meant to take them. But she's also meant to go and do blood. Mm. So I guess they, her and my stepmother had a conversation. I wasn't in the conversation because I just went and slept the mm. whole day. Mm. Um, the next day I woke up and I was like, I don't feel as bad as I felt yesterday. So I'm going to go to school. Mm. So I went to school. Um, obviously kids were ha- asking like, what was going on yesterday? Like, why was your mom shouting at you in the streets? And I'm mm. like, oh, whatever. I was someone who used to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> the thing is, what was she saying when she was shouting at you? That I'm lying, I'm faking, I want to go and get social services uh, done again. It's not her education that's going to mm. get affected if I don't go to school. Mm. Um, basically, she was saying, I want to go and get her into trouble with mm. my lies of being ill. Mm. Um, so that afternoon, she came to pick me up at school and take me to get my blood test done. And I remember that day because we got to the blood place at about 10 past three. Um they did my blood at about 3.30 because I didn't wait too, too long like you usually do. Mm. And then we went back home. She then had um, some of the church people come for, you know, Bible study. I... <laughs> but she also had to go to one of the other younger kids' schools because they had some function or something that she had to go to. Mm. So she went to that. At 7 o'clock, there was a knock on the door. So my sister went and get it, like to get the door open, and it was an out of hours GP doctor. Oh uh, yeah, standing with an ambulance. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. So he came in and he was like, he introduced himself, and then he said, "I'm looking for Hadiza." And my yeah. sister was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, she's here." So he pulled me and he said, "You know, I understand you haven't been feeling well for the last couple of days or months." You know, mm-hmm. can we just talk about your symptoms a little bit? Mm. So I explained my symptoms and he was like, okay. Um, when you go up the stairs, because at that point we lived in a three-story house. Mm. If you go up all the way to your room, how tired are you? Mm. And I said, yeah, I do get quite tired, but I don't notice as usual. I just, you know, get tired, get upstairs, sit on my bed for a little bit and then get up and do what I need to do. Yeah, And then he was like, you know, overall, what's your energy levels like? And I was like, yeah, they're up and down. Mm. <laughs> and then he was like, how about you, your, um, do you find that you run out of breath quite a lot? And I said, sometimes I do, but it just depends. Mm. And then he went on to say, okay, that's fine. The, thing, the reason why he was there is because when they did my blood levels, they realized that my iron was sitting at zero. I... Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing, zero. Wow. Yeah. 
And he said, that's not a good thing. That's really a bad thing. And I think at the time he'd say, your iron levels should be sitting at a count of a number of like 14 or something for them mm. to be normal. Mm-hmm. But we do accept that sometimes they can be low, even up to a stage of being about seven or eight. But, but you yours are at zero. Zero tint or zero. Yikes. Like, yeah. Does this explain why your periods were the way they were? Well, they, yeah. Or, it or, does. Or, or the low iron was the result of your frequent periods? Well, they've never been able to work it out mm. why my iron is so low. Because I don't think they've ever got it up to an, a full count. Even at my big age, they've never got it up to a full count. It literally never goes up. Wow. But they can't work out why. And and this is a persistent problem for you now, mm-hmm. still? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So he then explained that because it's so low, he actually expected to find me bedridden. <laughs> he didn't mm. expect to find me sitting or standing. Mm. He thought he would find me in bed. And the reason why they had the ambulance is because they thought I would need oxygen because remember iron in your red blood cells and everything else is all yeah. tied in together. Yeah. So that's why he came with the ambulance because they thought that would find me in a very, very dire situation. Um, he Because there were no, like, any of my legal guardians, either B3 or my dad in the house, he was mm. like, I can't take you to the hospital because mm. you're a minor. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is I can ask you to get your parents and tell them you need to be at A&E within the next two hours. Oh, dear. I wonder how that's yeah. going to happen. Because remember, these are people who think you've been faking things, you know. Exactly. Okay. So my sister calls dad. No, it wasn't actually one of the gentlemen who'd come in for the Bible study then mm-hmm. went with my sister to find my stepmother at the school she's gone to. Mm. And then one of the other ladies then called my dad at his workplace to say, you need to come back mm. because we've had this coming. So they both come back home. Um, my dad gets, you know, he has a shower and everything, get ready. We go to the hospital we've been told we need to get to. Tindo, I kid you not, as soon as we go to that hospital and my dad said, this is so-and-so, there was a pediatrician nurse already waiting. Wow, man. <laughs> yeah, she was like, the, the reception was like, oh, yeah, 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 they're already waiting for her. Um, They've got her, as, you know, she needs to go up yeah. the second she gets here. Yeah, yeah. So we went up uh, to the pediatrician um, ward. Mm. And they started doing all these blood tests again because they were like, you know, we need to work out what's going on. They started asking different questions. They did all these different assessments. At one stage, they came to my dad and said, we might need to do a blood transfusion because Mm. she can't stay the way she is, but we can't work out what's wrong with her. Uh, Both my dad and Beth were like, no, we don't believe in blood transfusions. You you have to work out what's going on before we start getting to that stage. The reason being... Well, isn't there that whole thing to say you don't know whose blood you're taking and what sort of attachments you're putting into your body? Well, I don't understand. What do you mean? I mean, I guess it's all to do with, how do I say it in English? You know how in our cultures we all believe in ancestors mm-hmm. and how there are some things that are attached to ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, blood is such a sacred thing. Mm-hmm. that they felt like they don't want to just take random blood from anyone. Just in case there are some ancestral issues with yeah. flowing through their bloodline. Yeah. So my dad said, I would rather you take it from someone in our family. We have a big family. I'm sure any of them would be willing to get tested. This to is going to be head. interesting. And how did that go? 
So, um, well, the doctors went back to do whatever they were doing. Um, about three in the morning, the doctor came back and said, it's getting late. We can't work out what's going on. So we're going to let you go and sleep, but we want you back at eight in the morning in this, like at eight o'clock, we want you back. If you're not back, then we will send an ambulance to Mm, you. mm. So we went back home, went and slept and came back. Tinder that night, my dad had asked that dog, no, it wasn't where he asked him. So we came back. They did more and more tests and they still couldn't work it out. I think whatever they were trying with my blood just wasn't doing anything. Mm. Like I think the iron was just floating or whatever. Um, so I think it was after one where the doctor came and said, we're going to have to send you to this specialist hospital in the country for kids um, because we can't work out what's going on, but we can't just let you go just because you're walking. Because what if you walk out and you drop? Yeah. By the time someone gets to you, it could be quite fatal because if your brain lacks oxygen for about 10 minutes, I think the damage is irreversible. So that was one of their main worries. Um, So they were like, we're going to send you to this hospital. We've got an ambulance ready to transfer you there. Or if you want to go with your dad, but we'll have one following you to transfer you where you're going, whichever way works. We want you to go and see the specialist who is a hematologist who might be able to work out why this is happening. Mm. Um, But luckily that specialist was around the area where we were. So I guess when they went to transfer my file, he actually ran them back and said, actually I'm near you. So don't move her. I'll come to her. Right. So he got to us um, and did all his assessments. And then he came and he was like, can I ask you something personal? And I was like, yeah, sure. He was like, are you on your period? I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've started. And then he was like, okay, can we talk about your cycle a Mm. little bit more? So he was like, how frequently do you say you go a month? And I'm like, "Uh, I go every two weeks. He was like, okay, how heavy are they? Mm. Um, If you say whatever product you use, how many times do you have to change it? I used to change mine once every hour. And by that hour, sometimes it was overpacked. It was overfull. Um, there was one day I sat on the sofa at home. I fell asleep for less than 45 minutes. I got up, the whole seat was red. Mud. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky that it was a leather seat as well. Mm. So um, he then turned around and said, that's the problem. There might be something else underlying, but her problem are making the entire, like her periods are making the entire situation 10 times worse. Mm, mm. But again, because she's so young, they won't stabilize for a while. So this is an ongoing problem. So she needs to be on supplements yeah. until we can work out the other solution. Mm-hmm. My dad asked him, and I remember him asking this, and he said, is it because she doesn't eat? And he mm. said, no, her weight is actually fine for her age, her height. There's nothing wrong with her weight. Can you imagine a professional telling someone that who, who says, you don't eat, you got mm-hmm. this problem and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your dad's he response said, to that? He was like, oh, okay. It's just that sometimes she doesn't want to eat. And he turned around and said, that's probably because she's too tired to want to eat. Hmm. He literally was like, that's because she's too tired. She has low energy because her iron is is sitting on zero. Mm. So from when she started her period to now, this has been what she's having to deal with. She has no energy. So when you see her just sleeping randomly or if she sits on a sofa and just knocks out, it's not because she's being lazy. It's genuinely because she has no energy energy in her body. Her body is running low. Yeah. Um, some of my aunties obviously found out cause my dad had to call them to let them know that I was 
in hospital and this is what was going on. And one of my aunties, well, all of them are in the medical profession one way or another. Mm. Um, one of them used to be a lecturer. So she came to see me at the hospital there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's a good thing that, you you know, <laughs> your doctors have finally said, no, yeah. <laughs> she's not a problem. Yeah. This is what's going on with her. So they put me on tablets and sent me back home on iron tablets. And they were like, we'll do your blood tests in a month and see what's going on with your iron. And then we'll start doing them every six months or so. Mm. Um, we went back home again. No one mentioned the fact that the doctor has said it's not because she doesn't eat or there's anything wrong with my eating habits or that I'm lazy or anything like that. Mm. Um, but to be fair, my dad's attitude changed from then. Amen to that. That's that. That sounds like a blessing. Mm, he really did change from then. Uh, he started believing me a lot more, and he actually started defending me a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give an example where there was one time we were sitting watching TV, and the younger child decided to come and sit on me. But the mm. way he was sitting on me, he was hurting me because he had his elbow in an uncomfortable right. position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to say, "Get off me! You're hurting me." Mm-hmm. Then my stepmother kicked off and said, oh, just leave her alone. She wants to be treated like she's made out of gold. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Then my dad was like, no, what's your problem? And uh, she got upset and started crying. Whose daughter can be three? Yeah. Why? Because she was upset. She felt like my dad was taking my side over hers. <laughs> it became a lot of that, Tinder. It became a lot of... You're taking her side over. So basically what we ended up doing was putting my dad in a position where he had to choose all the time. So it's like <laughs> pulling him. <laughs> Can you imagine putting a parent through that? Mm-hmm. For, for what was, purpose? You know, for what reason? What, I, I, became, I almost don't know what to say. It became an untenable position, to be honest with you. Like, mm. home was very uncomfortable, I won't lie. I think it was uncomfortable for anyone who lived there. Because, because now it there became was a tug beef. of war. Yeah yeah. 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 It became a tug of war. And by that point, I was also starting to get stronger in who I am a little bit. Like, in realizing that I'm not even realizing, I, I just wanted it to stop, to mm. consistently being the one who's in the wrong. I wanted it to stop. Mm-hmm. So I used to retaliate. If she said, You're ugly. I would be like, so are you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or have you looked in the mirror lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the arguments between her and my dad started becoming a little bit more, especially when it came to me, they started becoming more. Mm-hmm. Um, then one day we came back from school and my sister was at college and we'd met someone, her coming from college, me coming from school. And we all got home at the same time. And she pulled us into a room and she said, I just wanted to let you girls know that I'm leaving your father. Uh. Yeah. I didn't mean to, but I said it anyway. I was like, oh, that's okay. Do let us know if you need help packing. <laughs> she started crying. You and your mouth. <laughs> it's got you into big trouble before. It's about to do the same right now. What was the reaction to that? She started crying and saying, oh, you will see a man will do this to you one day. I thought, I thought she would have screamed at you. I'm surprised mm-hmm. she, she just started crying. Yeah, she said, a man will do this to you one day. You will see. Karma will come and get you. I wonder what had happened. I don't even know. I never knew that. I never asked. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Is it, because you, didn't, is it because you didn't want to carry the guilt? Because you've already mentioned in the past that you didn't want to carry the guilt of things that were very yeah. heavy on you. So, okay, so, so you yeah. just didn't want to know. I just didn't want to know. Yo. Because I knew one way or another it was going to be my fault. 
I knew one way or another it was going to be like the reason why we're arguing is because of her. Because everything has been your fault so far. So far, yeah. Mm. Tinto, if something went missing in the house, mm. it wouldn't be let's ask the other kids. It would be me. Hey. You took it. She said the younger, the her daughter said so. She saw you take it. So you took it. And if I said no, I didn't take it. She didn't even see me. They'd be like, well, is she lying then? Mm. How am I meant to respond to that? Mm. So I would end up getting upset and going upstairs to cry. Mm. My mm. sister would come into the room because I shared a room with her daughter as well. So my sister would come into the room and say, don't cry. It's okay. Just don't cry. I know you didn't do it. Don't cry. Yeah. And that was a consistent cycle. If we were sitting downstairs, Tinto, everyone is having fun. We're all laughing and giggling. I say one thing and then boom, I get attacked. Yeah. And then when I get upset, it will be like, oh, but we were just joking with you. I'm like, how can you joke insulting me? Mm. How can you say you're joking with insulting me? It became a pattern, Tinto, that she would say or do something. Mm. Then when I go to my dad and say, this is what's happened, she would say, oh, no, she joking. misunderstood me. I was just joking. I was just playing with her. Can she not take a joke? I wasn't being serious. Am I not allowed to say anything to her now? But by now, wasn't your dad clocking that this is becoming a pattern? So this should sometimes really mean something. Sometimes he would clock, mm. but sometimes he would get frustrated and get, take his frustration out of me. Eish, come on. Sometimes he would get frustrated and take his frustration out of me. So it, sometimes he would be like, ah, leave me alone. Or sometimes he would come and take his frustration out of me. And then I'm like, oh, what now? Yeah. So I learned to withdraw, like do my own thing. So if I, if she was home, you wouldn't find me sitting in the same room as everybody. Yeah. I didn't last more than an hour if she was sitting in the living room with everybody. I would sit maybe, especially if my dad was not home, I'd sit maybe 30, 40 minutes maximum. I'll get up and go sit upstairs and read. Uh, uh. You wouldn't find me. I would maybe I would come downstairs and watch, you know, things like extenders with everybody else. Mm. But if she was home, you wouldn't find me in that room. You would find me upstairs. Mm -hmm. No, not even. I learned to just stay away. That was the safest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then by that time as well. So I was probably around 15 here. The silent treatment started coming. Yeah. So she would ignore me. If I came in home and say hi, she would not say hi back. And you already struggle with silent treatment. That's why I struggle with silent treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you mentioned it in the previous episode as well, that silent treatment for you is a, is a big a issue. No-no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She would ignore me. If I come in and said hi, she would ignore me. And sometimes I wouldn't even know why the silent treatment, where it's coming from, what did I do? But then you would realize that she had an argument with my dad and it's mm. somehow my fault. Mm. And sometimes you would hear my dad say, did you not hear Umduana say hi? Like, which means, did you not hear the child say hi? Uh, your dad has really stepped up by this point, eh? Mm, he started stepping up well, well. Mm. <laughs> he would say, did you not hear her say hi? And she would say, I said hi back. And he would say, well, we didn't hear you. Mm. And any arguments that were taking place, somehow became my fault. Aibo. Somehow, somehow, I would get the heat for it. If I don't get the hit for it today, when they argued, I'll get the hit for it tomorrow. And Tinto coming back from school, if I knew she was home, you know when you are outside and you're laughing with your school friends, like I said, most of them used to walk past my house, so we would walk back to like that way together and we'll split up when I go into the house and they carry on. Mm. But when you walk into the house, 
your mood changes because you don't know what you're going to find in a house. Mm. You don't know what mood you're going to find. You don't know whether you're going to find someone who's in a good mood or someone who's in a shitty mood. Mm. And I started doing a lot more things after school. Yeah, I did a couple of GCSEs before I was in year 11 because it worked out for me to just hang out at school than to come wow. home. <laughs> That's a very early age to have done those, you know. Mm-hmm. I did a couple before year 11 because it just worked out easier to yeah. just stay at school mm-hmm. and just chill at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just worked out much, much easier because if I came home and it was an atmosphere, then, you know. You've spent most of the time doing something productive instead of ducking and diving. Mm-hmm. From I used to live in, yeah. I used to live in the library. The library was probably a 10-minute walk from where we lived. Yeah. They would find me in there just reading. Some good stuff came out of it, obviously. It did. It you did. know, from, from, from what you're describing there and, and, and you being able to do your GCSEs that far, mm-hmm. I mean, that early mm-hmm. into the program... Is, mm-hmm. is very impressive. Did your dad mm-hmm. go on and uh, and divorce B3? Well, well not no. divorce, but, but split up with B3? No, they know she never left. So why was she hinting? Uh, who knows? I think we started realizing that it was a manipulative game. I think she wanted to see whether we would feel upset about her leaving or no. Mm. But at that point, I think, you know, I was roughly 14, 15. My sister is three years older than me, so she was about 17, 18. I think yeah. we were both like, you know what? We've been through another divorce. This one is nothing to us. We went yeah. one through before and we survived it. So we'll be okay <laughs> once you leave. It's okay. You can go. It's not that deep for us. What's the situation between you and B3 now? <sighs> it's... Let me explain it. Yeah. <laughs> you understand it Mm. um because my dad eventually passed away oh sorry to hear that uh when i was in my 20s so i was able to do my gcc's my a levels Mm. um went to uni and then when i finished my final year of uni he then mentioned to us that he'd been diagnosed with a terminal cancer Mm. uh they'd given him i think about 18 months to leave um yeah so he wasn't he went to my sister's graduation because they hadn't he hadn't told us about his diagnosis then mm. but he couldn't go to mine because he had chemo the day before yeah, my graduation yeah. so I only ended up going to my graduation with two of my aunties and my sister mm. um he managed to survive a year after his diagnosis and then when I went back to do law school he then passed away I think 2 months after I started law school mm. And then, yeah, when he passed away, uh, what happened? We, well, my stepmother left with her kids. B3 and her kids moved away from the town we all lived in. Uh, me and my sister, well, I was in law school. My sister stayed in that town. Yeah. And yeah, uh, we tried to make the best of life between me and her, mm. but it wasn't easy. And then she came back two, three years ago. No, four years ago, saying she wants a relationship with us. Hey, okay. Mm-hmm. And and what has your response been? My sister accepted it with full arms. Because she really didn't get a lot of wahala, did she? From, from before. So, Not really, no. So what was your position? And in fact, what is your position? I can forgive you, but I'm okay not having a relationship with you. Mm. I can't trust you. I tried, Tinder. I did try to have one. 
But I realized I can't trust her because I'm always looking at her with the second eye. You're always suspicious. I'm uncomfortable, yeah. And I'm always asking myself, why are you back? Mm. Because here's one thing that I did that I don't think she knows I did. When she left, she didn't mention anything about whether there was a will, whether my dad left any money. There was no word. She literally woke up the next day and left and took everything. You could have asked the question. Well, by the time, to be honest with you, by the time, for me, I was like, it's okay, go. I knew you were going to do that, so go. I don't care. <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah. And I was also of the opinion that my father was a grown man and he knew if there was no will, this is what she was going to do. Mm. So he made an informed decision. I can't fight for money that was not given to me. Yeah, no. And I refused to do it. Yes, yes. And he always used to tell us, if you eat money that doesn't belong to you, you can't trace where it's gone. It just disappears. Mm. You do nothing useful with it, so there's no point. Um, when she came back, I decided to do a little research because, you know, when you work in law, mm. you learn mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can legally find out some stuff. Yes. So I pulled up my dad's probate papers mm-hmm. and there was up to about six figures in monies. No way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that sum was made up of because the probate papers just show you the front page and they, t- they tell you the monetary values. Do they tell you what happened to that money? No. You would actually have to make an application for specific disclosure from the law firm that dealt with it. Tinta, we lived in, let me give you an example using the towns of, let's say we lived in. Mm-hmm. And she went and did the probate pictures, the probate information. So if you lived in, you only looked around. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know that actually you need to look nationally to find what you're looking for. Because you would assume if you live in, you would be done in. But no, she did it in a completely different town. So for me to find it is because I went on the website, which had the entire country's information mm. so that's how i found it do you want to do something about that is there anything you can do you can yeah i mean uh, in, you in, in, in your capacity as hadiza i don't want to reason being because i don't want to open myself to sort of like a way of someone finding a way to come back but what if some of that is due to come to you Take it. So. If it buys me my freedom from you, take it. Because it's not like my life has stopped. It's not like I've not made achievements in my life. For God's sake, I qualified as a. So take it. Go with it. I don't want it. Yo, that's crazy. I make my own money now. That's okay. Take it. Because if you had a good heart, even if you knew there was no will and you knew he had five children. You would have split it equally. But you made sure your kids had money. I forgot to say there was another younger child that was born just before I finished my GCC. So Mm. the baby, when he came over to my sister's house and I was talking to him, he mentioned and he said, oh, yeah, there was left specific money from dad's money that he specifically left for them. So me and my sister are like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> so, both like, so is your sister interested in finding out if there's anything due to her? I don't know, you know. What, if what, you try to what, have a conversation with her, she goes silent. 
But then I also kind of don't trust her when it comes to that. You see, I was just going to say, is there a possibility that maybe she did get something? Yeah, there is. <laughs> there actually is. If you made my sister choose between me and them, she would choose them any day. Hmm. I can only assume that you don't have a good relationship with your sister then. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a funny one. I think it works out in her best interest than it does mine. Yeah. But then if I let it go, I'm on my own, which is kind of hard to take that you would be stuck on your own. Because if something does happen to me, then who's going to be there for me? And it's not like I'm married with my own children or anything. Mm. Maybe if that was the case, I would find it easy to just say, you know what, go away. But it's not. <sighs> um, I know you're going for therapy. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would have recommended because of how heavy this has been would be to do something like that. So, based on your experience so far, is it helping? Yeah. Um, because if I was telling you this part by now, if mm. this, I'd said this to you two years ago, I couldn't even talk. There's a, there's a very notable difference in your tone between part one and part two. Mm. Because I think part one still really brings out a dark time for you. It does. And, and, and part two, I think because you're going through these sessions, You've, mm -hmm. you've healed quite a bit from what happened. Yeah. I feel like I've healed over part two more mm. than I've healed over part one. I think part one, I struggle mm. with understanding why that has to happen to a small child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas part two, to be fair to B3, she did make a, a kinder apology. Um, maybe I should have said that she did, you know, say, I am sorry, I was jealous. Um, so I think maybe that kind of did help in the healing process a little bit. Have you forgiven her then? You know what? Yeah. And I also do feel sorry for her sometimes. Mm. I do, because I think if you are a grown woman and you put yourself in a position where you can be jealous of a child, then something really seriously isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... But I also have to appreciate that probably no one had ever taught her about blending a family. I mean, we're always taught about being the number one woman in a man's life, but we're never taught about blending families. Mm. And it's e my therapist explained it by saying that in people's lives, we all play different roles. Mm. So maybe for her, it worked for her life story to pl place you in sort of a story as the villain of her story for the reasons why her things were not going right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that's the right thing, but maybe that's how she cast you. And for me, Tinto, I had to learn to say to myself, in order to take control of my life, I needed to forgive and stop being everybody's victim all the time. You know, that really works like crazy. Mm. Because I've had a conversation with somebody before and the one thing they pointed out was that you can never let another human being be the source of your personal freedom, whether it's mm -hmm. emotionally, financially, spiritually, whatever alley you can think about. Mm -hmm. because I the, agree with that. Because the moment they can't do that, you are the one who goes into despair and you just mm -hmm. spiral downwards. So for you to be able to then say to yourself that you're captain of your own ship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is some serious progress you've made. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also talking about forgiveness, 
uh, there's something that I was reading a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and all it basically says that true forgiveness really means that you will not hold the wrongdoing that somebody has done against them. You release them from it. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, um, and then in addition to that, it says you will also not remind them of this. And as far I agree as with that. and as as far as you can possibly humanly do, you forget. I don't think you can forget. You, you but de- here's you what it makes can't. sense. You definitely can't. But here's, as far, yeah, go on. I, I read this book by Oprah Winfrey and mm. some um, therapist or something, and mm. it's called "What Happened to You." Mm-hmm. And in the book, she said she learned how to forgive when re- she realized that forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. And for me, that resonated hey, because a lot of the that time, is deep. Say that again, please, Abego. <laughs> forgiveness yeah. is giving up the hope of a better past. Yay! You know that that shook me, ah! <laughs> and it felt you know like when you do a puzzle and two puzzles just come together. Yeah. For me, that felt like it did that for me. I read this book about last year, like towards the end of last year after another situationship got wrong. Mm. And I had to ask myself why everything kept on going so wrong. And it made me realize that first of all, I have an anxious attachment style. Mm. When I'm in a relationship, I get anxious. I'm my own worst enemy. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's because there are patterns that I have in my mind I need to let go of. Then when I read that book and it said, forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past. It made me realize that a lot of the times, the reason why you can't let go of what happened in the past is because there's a part of you that hopes for that situation to have been different. Hey, that is, you know, that's incredibly powerful. Honestly, I, 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 I've made a note of it. Mm, I was like, what? Because <laughs> there's real power in, there is solid yeah. power in those words. Yeah. It made me realize that a lot of it, 99% of it, the reason you can't let go of that situation is because there's a part of you that hoped for a better result or a better Mm, ending. mm. And once you let go of that and say, you know what? It happened. There's nothing I can do to change it. It is what it is. You move. You start moving. I I almost don't know what to say in addition to that because it's incredibly true. Mm. And just as I look back at your, your lessons as I'm wrapping this up, the first one that came up is you can't love somebody's children. Uh, no, if you can't love somebody's children, don't get with somebody with children. And it makes a lot of sense based on the experience that you described, especially when it came to B3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because she was particularly problematic. Yeah. And then lesson number two, don't be willfully blind. And we saw how this played out with your dad. And, you know, bless his soul, he's not with us now. But towards the end, he really made that effort. He really did. You know, so there is some hope for change, even if you are mm-hmm. being willfully blind. Mm-hmm. Um, lesson number three, parents need to accept the trauma their children felt when they moved overseas. You know, Twitter has been going crazy, <laughs> you know, with your episode. One, because of what you've gone through and this whole thing about trauma when parents leave and move overseas. Yeah. It really creates a lot of problems that I think we should have a separate discussion about. We should it's do. Deep. And then, (laughs) you know, this is not really a lesson, but it's, uh, you know, just a word that I want to leave that you gave us, Hadiza. And it's that forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better past, right? Mm -hmm. The key Mm -hmm. element that is hope of a better past, which is near Mm -hmm. impossible. In fact, it's impossible to get Mm -hmm. because it's in the past. Yeah. And what you're doing now in the present, if you're not trying to make it better, is going to be another bad part of Mm -hmm. your past. So do your best to let go of that hope of a better past and start living as you best can now. So that when you look back, 
You turn around and say, I couldn't have done that any better. I did that as I best can. Mm-hmm. Thank I you so agree. much for uh, taking part and being a part of the Feeling Station, Hadiza. I really, really appreciate your time and your oh, story. Thank you. Um, and for those who've been listening to this episode of the Feeling Station, I look forward in catching you. I look forward to catching you in next weekend's episode. Peace. Come on.